Now, this morning, as you can see, Pastor Danny is not here. Let me just start up my laptop. Huh? And uh, I've asked someone in Cambodia, because he's actually in Cambodia right now, to send me a picture. My Pastor Danny also sent me a picture. So he's right now in Cambodia with Bishop doing the Archdeacon thing. <laughs> so let's give him in prayer. So we want to remember him. And we also want to remember that we are in the larger body of Christ. Amen. Actually, we, we represent not just Singapore, but the six countries that we are taking care of, and Cambodia is one of the deaneries that we are taking care of. So do remember in prayer. And for those of you who do not know me, I thought this is not my first time preaching in the English service. Actually, I preached once. Do you remember? Uh, maybe not. Huh? So I suppose uh, since you are not familiar with me, I should introduce myself. My name is Chris. There is another Pastor Chris. Huh? He's the young one. But I'm not the old one. <laughs> I'm the whole one, okay? And this is my family. I'm a husband of one wife. Very biblical, huh? And these are my children. My wife always thinks that she has four kids. I'm always uh, a kid at heart. Uh, I used to tell people that she's my superwoman. She don't like that. And then she said, you should tell people I'm your wonder woman. I say, why? Because I'm wondering what you're doing all the time. <laughs> so that's uh, my family. It's, it's a great joy for me to actually return back to the English ministry to serve. I used to be a Sunday school teacher under Pastor John Sim when I was in the English ministry. So that was uh, many, many years ago. Uh, but today, we not just want to remember our children, we want to remember that later on, in fact, yesterday was a children's party, and later on, there, there is uh, another children's party at 2.30. And every children's party, we will see the young kids, especially those who are unchurched, will come to this party with their parents, and they will actually hear the gospel, some for the very first time. So the theme for this party is roller coaster. <laughs> so shall we all take some time, let's pray for this party. And we pray that the children that come to this party will receive Christ. Father, we want to commit this uh, roller coaster party into your hands. And we want to pray that today we will see many more young children coming to hear the gospel and they will receive you as their personal Lord and Savior. And we want to commit our hearts before you. Open our hearts to receive your word today in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Now, since we are talking about roller coaster, I thought of a roller coaster story. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether you have heard of this before, but there was a story about the group of young people who was waiting in queue to do a roller coaster ride. How many of you uh, young ones <laughs> still like roller coaster rides? Oh, wow, there's a few brave, brave souls here. <laughs> Uh, I used to like them, but nowadays you ask me to go up. <laughs> so <clears throat> there was this group of young people, they were waiting in queue to go up the roller coaster. And lo and behold, they saw this auntie. And they thought to themselves, this auntie, that's it. Lah. <laughs> Later she's going to scream, she'll be terrified. But this auntie actually sat in front of the roller coaster. And when the roller coaster ride took off, all the young people were screaming, ah! They were terrified. And the old lady was saying, Chionga! Chionga! <laughs> so after the ride, young people were really impressed. They turned to the auntie and said, Auntie, you're not afraid of the ride. She said, I was terrified. Then why do you keep saying Chionga! Chionga! In English, it means go faster, right? He said, No, I was saying, I was shouting my husband's name. Ah, Chionga! Ah, Chionga! <laughs> so, 
we can always misunderstand one another, isn't it? I don't know whether you have this kind of misunderstanding in your family, the different generations speaking in different languages, even though you are hearing English or Chinese or, or dialect. And I don't know whether you have generation gap in your home. <laughs> we come from different generations. And today, I want to talk about building the next generation. I want to talk about how it is so important to care for our young and also whatever we do will impact the next generation. Now, if the handphone model changes, right? We know technology change. I, I'm, I belong to the Nokia generation. Uh, some of you belong to the iPhone, but some of you probably the Taikotai. You don't have to raise your hands, all right? You just know that. There was a time when the handphone was so big that it can use as a weapon. But these days, it has changed. But if the handphone no longer can make communication with someone else, it's no longer a phone. So there are some things that will remain. So culture change, but the content and principles will remain. Changes in time. In the past, TV is fat, owner is thin, but nowadays a bit different. Changes in fashion. All right, our fashion changes. Changes in workplaces and attitudes. In fact, work from home has become a norm. The young people love it, but the old people struggles with it. So we can see that there is a certain generation disparity and, and unhappiness when it comes to communication. In fact, uh, we have so many I, uh, iPhone, iPad, iPod. Uh, the father can only say, I paid. <laughs> there are challenges out there in our family when different generations communicate with one another. In fact, when I was preparing this sermon, my daughter, this is a true story, uh, on October 6th, which is one day before Children's Day, came to me and said this, Dad, do you know that today is the national transfer money to your daughter day? <laughs> I thought she was blackmailing me. And then I said, are you serious? She said, you Google lah. So I Googled. And true enough, there is a holiday that is called national transfer money to your daughter day. So I was quite shocked. So I said, okay lah, I transfer one dollar to you. <laughs> and uh, she was not very happy. Then I started Googling whether there's a transfer, national transfer money to your parents' day. And there is, 20th November, so I started investing more. So I say, I give you $10. <laughs> but true now, there's so many new things that are happening. But you know what? There are some things that shouldn't change. But because of the culture change, we start to build walls. And there is this generation gap that becomes like a wall, and we need to break down this barrier. You know, our late Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, our Akong, uh, used to say this. Many people say, I keep interfering with people's personal affairs. That's true. Because if I don't do that, Singapore will not be what it is today. And I'm thankful for our late Mr. Lee Kuan Yew for intervening sometimes, right? While we are not happy, we are thankful, we are grateful as we look back and as parents, we know that sometimes we need to intervene in our children's decision, even though they are unhappy for that season. We are not out there to please them, to entertain them. We are there to teach them, to guide them, to point them to the truth. Amen? And it's so important for us to understand that when culture changes, the content, the Word of God will not change. 
Therefore, we see Singapore is what it is today because there was someone who really loves Singapore, who cares about Singapore. And he says this, my purpose is to stabilize Singapore. He was worried that the young people will take the wealth and success of the nation for granted. He was worried that one day they would have forgotten what the pioneers have worked hard and struggled for that we would become like the West, enjoying the privileges and asking the government for welfare. They think that these things happen automatically. But Mr. Lee Kuan Yew say, I know it was never like that. And so we need to understand what it means to remember. You know, there's a Chinese word that says, "ing sui si yuan, meaning to say when you look at the water, you must think of the source. We must remember those people who has labored. And so, while we remember our pioneers, those who are in the pioneer generation, you must also remember that you need to pass down <laughs> because things don't happen automatically. You need to pass on, you need to reach out, you need to build up because there's no generation, there's no future without the next generation. And that's why our children ministry and our youth ministry is so important. D.L. Moody once said this when he went to an evangelistic meeting and someone asked how many people were saved. He said two and a half. And so they were curious. They said two and a half, two adults and one child. He said, no, 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 two children and one adult. Why so? Oh, because the adult, half the life is gone. Going to see Jesus really. <laughs> but the young child is a full life ahead of them. And so it is so important for us to always remember to invest in the next generation. But I know there are some older ones, every time they hear this message, they will say, yala, putong yong, yala. we are already, we are good for nothing. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that with your experience, with all that you have learned, we need to take all these things and make effort to pass on, to give, to invest, because it is so vital to build our next generation. And remember, what you neglect, the next generation will reject. Turn to your neighbor and say this. What you neglect, say that, the next generation will reject. Because Jesus says this in Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So cultures will come, change, technology will change, but the Word of God will never change. Amen? And therefore, we need to remember to build our next generation because by the time they reach youth, if we don't build their faith, they will have lost it. In fact, in a recent survey by Barna Group President David Kinnaman, he wrote a paper. In fact, after that, it was printed as a book called You Lost Me, Why Young People Are Leaving Church and Rethinking Faith. He gave six reasons. The first reason, he says this, churches seem to be overprotective. The second reason Young people, teens and 20-somethings, experience of Christianity is shallow. Third reason, churches come across as antagonistic to science. Fourth reason, young Christian church experiences related to sexuality are often simplistic and judgmental. Fifth reason, they wrestle with the exclusive nature of Christianity. And sixth reason, the church feels unfriendly to those who doubt. Our young people are different. They think differently, but we need to take time to build our next generation. And today we want to turn to an ancient book of law to remind us how to build the next generation. Because as we said, you know, the Word of God is eternal. God is eternal. The souls of people are this eternal. But even though we know that the Word of God will not pass away, but it can be forgotten, right? It can be forgotten. 
Word of God is important, but it can be forgotten because the book of law was lost for almost 60 years. For almost 60 years during the time of the King Manasseh, Josiah. When King Josiah took the throne at the age of eight, at the age of about 16 years old, he started reforming the nation of Israel. And a book was found by Hikiah, the secretary. And this book, as many people would know it, is called the book of Deuteronomy. And today we want to turn to the book of Deuteronomy and find out how God's Word can teach us to build the next generation. In fact, the book Deuteros is like a second reading. It is a repetition of the law. Here, Moses was entering, about to enter the promised land. But the Bible told us that Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. Why? Because he got upset, he was emotional, he struck the rock the second time, and he was not allowed to enter the promised land. So we do not want to become like Moses at the feet of emotional outbursts, could not actually reach the place that he was bringing the whole of Israel into. So he was at the foot, about to enter, and he was giving this law. And these laws were given once, and he was telling them again. Why is it so important to tell them to repeat, to recite the Word of God? Because there is a new generation of people who do not know the Word of God. There was a new generation of people who did not see the Red Sea open. They've experienced some miracles in the wilderness, but they experienced a lot more judgment. <laughs> but they did not know. So this is the book that was repeated to them. And so today we want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, nine verses. I'm going to run through these nine verses. I'm going to pick up some principles and we're going to apply it in our life. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1 and 2. Let's read together. Ready? Go. Now, this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. So the Word of God, the law, was given not just for the children, for the next generation, it's also for them who is about to enter, and also for their children's children. It is meant to be passed on so that they can keep the law central to their lifestyle. Why is it so important? Because they are about to enter into a land where people worship many gods. It's a land full of idolatries. It's a land that do not know Yahweh. It's a land that do not understand the law of God. So therefore, it is so important for Moses to repeat the law to them again. And said, so, let's read on. And in verse 3, it says together, Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. You want to enjoy the abundance of God? You want to enjoy the fruitfulness of God? You want to stay long in this land, the promised land? So hear, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it. Verse, five, verse 4, together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your strength. So the first thing I want to encourage us to do is to pay attention to this word here. In fact, it means listen. Listen attentively. Now, I used to do children ministry. This is how I dress like when I teach them how to listen. Uh, and I find that in the Chinese work, especially when I'm, I'm still leading the Chinese church, and it's really fun when you look at the Chinese character. Now, the Chinese character for listen, for hear, is ting. The old way of writing is very interesting because it, in the character itself, you can see the ear, the eye, and the heart. And, but what is more important is that below the ear, you will see a, a character that's written wang, which means the king. And above the eye, it is a cross. And just above the heart is e, means one. So your ear is to attune to the king. Your eye is to focus on the cross with one heart. Isn't it amazing? So go and learn Chinese. Lah. <laughs> it is amazing because this word is, I think, uh, more connected to the Hebrew word Shema. Because the word is Shema. In verse 4, it says, Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Echad means one. And so when you go to Israel, there are many people who will recite this. This is like the Shema prayer. And there's three Shema prayer passages that they will remember. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, which we have read part of it. Deuteronomy 11, 13 to 21. And then 11, 13 to 21. And Numbers 15, 37 to 41. So there's all these Shema passages that the, Israel, the Israelites actually in the tradition would memorize them. But what is more important in this word is that the Hebrew Shema means listen attentively and listen in a way where you respond. In fact, there's a Greek word for obey, but there's no Hebrew word for obey. So how do you tell people to obey the word of God? You say, Shema, Shema. You listen, listen. You listen attentively. You listen and respond to the Word of God. You come to church, listen to the Word of God, but apply them because that's more important. You say, Shema. Everybody say, Shema. Listen. Don't just, in Chinese, we say, We have heard this before. But, listen inside, into your being so that you can apply them. Verse 5, you shall love. So other than telling them to listen, Israel, you know, your God is one God. There's only one God you should worship. As you enter into the land, just remember to give your dedication and your whole being, your whole heart and, and devotion to this one God. And then verse 5, it says, you shall love. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Love is more than a feeling. You know, I, I love to tell I love you to many people because my love language is the words of affirmation. So I love to affirm people. I always tell my wife, you should affirm me more. Lah. Don't just give me instruction. Uh, so I, I tell her I love you. And, and both of us, we, we respond in love uh, differently. When I tell her a lot of times I love you, she don't, don't really feel love until I wash the dishes. And we love to watch the Marvel, uh, those movies. And I, I remember she always said, oh, this Captain America, very handsome. <laughs> then I have to remind her, the name also Chris. Huh? <laughs> so you like Chris, right? 
uh, so I said, you want me to be your Captain America? <laughs> and then she turned to me. See, to me, uh, like very romantic, right? She turned to me, I don't want you to be Captain America. La. I want you to be like Iron Man. I said, oh, Iron Man. Iron Man quite rich, uh, but I'm not very rich. <laughs> but Iron Man cannot see the face. La. He said, no, no, not that kind of the ironing man. <laughs> You help me go and iron the clothes. I'll be very happy. I'll feel so loved. So love is more than just a feeling. It's action. It's active. Love is a verb. Love is more than just, oh, I, I love you, Lord. I'm feeling like you're, you're feeling a bit teary. No, it's more than the emotion. It is action. So we need to understand that when, when we hear, we need to teach ourselves and our children. We need to let them know what is more important. You know, PSLE is just over you can see that the parents are actually very busy <laughs> during this period of time. Every PSLE, uh, the parents are very tense. Uh. Thank God. Uh, next year, my, my son is going through PSLE. There's a third child. <laughs> so finally, I can see every time when I go through PSLE, uh, I can see my wife, she's like taking the exam. <laughs> so she'll prepare and everything. But, but you know, we need to prepare our children for the final exam that God has for them, and that is not PSLE. They may fail PSLE, but they cannot fail the exam God has for them. Amen? One of the things that uh, we, when I was in the English ministry, attending the Sunday services, uh, we normally attend the 8.30 service, and then I help out in the 10.30 service for the children ministry. And uh, every now and then, there will be people coming up to us and say, you know, there's free movie tickets on Sunday. Do you want to have it? And my wife would turn them down. And once I heard of it, I said, hey, there's this new Disney movie tickets that was given to us. Where was it? Huh? He said, oh, I turned them down already. I said, why? Because on Sunday morning, what? that's the children's Sunday school. That's their church. He said, oh, like that. We can go Saturday. <laughs> I said, no. Do you really want to do that? I'm sure you won't, right? I said, okay, yeah, I'm sure I won't. <laughs> but do you know that kind of culture that's built in a family has actually brought something to my children because when my eldest daughter is growing up, she will reject almost everything that clashes with the church. And today she served in the Chinese youth ministry on Saturday. And in fact, uh, in her school, in secondary school, she was selected in a band to play in the National Day. Every year they were selected. And the school always represents Swiss Cottage, always plays at National Day. And first year she was selected. But she was praying that they will release her so that she don't have to perform. Because if she starts performing, she will miss church every Saturday. And she prayed and tell them, I want to go to church. Second year, she was spared again. Third year, she told me, senior year, I cannot. I have to go. Dad, I say, you just pray, it's okay. Never mind, no choice. You have to pay your dues, right? I just go. I bless her. But then that very year, they downsized the team. And they turned to her, they say, you want to go to church, right? And so she was, and she was very happy. She was happier in church. They will beg me to let them go to prayer meeting on Wednesday with the youths, even during exam time. And I'm happy. Now, guys, we need to understand that if you value the studies and you don't value the Word of God, your children will know. There's a story about this son uh, who actually accidentally put his hand into a valuable vase that the father actually collected. This father collect many antiques. So there's this very expensive vase and he put his hand inside and couldn't get it out. So the father was worried, went to the neighbor and asked for help. The neighbor came back with a hammer 
and was about to smash the vase. And so the father says, stop! This is too expensive. You can't smash this. So the neighbor went back, took out a, a saw. And then the father said, what are you going to do? And saw your son's hand, uh, since I cannot smash the vase. He said, no, 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 no. okay, okay. I'll smash, I'll smash. Just when he was about to smash, the son spoke and said, Dad, should I let go of the 50 cent I'm holding before or after he smashed? Now to the son, the 50 cent is very valuable. But the son could not see what was more valuable. And today, our next generation could only see some things that they're holding on so tightly. But we need to help them to see something more valuable. But it starts from you. It starts from us. There's a Chinese pastor that says this, 没有付不起的代价,只有看不到的价值. And in English, I translated it as this, there is no price too great to pay, only value that is not seen. When my eldest daughter saw this, right, she said, Daddy, I don't even understand the English. She said, use Singlish, uh, Singlish better. So her Singlish translation is this, for those Singlish people, don't have, cannot pay the price one, only have, cannot see the value. Is that more understandable? I don't know. <laughs> but you can encourage you later. But let's read on because we start at verse 5. Deuteronomy 6, 6 says this. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall, you shall teach them diligently. And that's the word I want to emphasize. You must make effort to teach them. How do you make effort to teach them? It says to your children, you shall talk of them when you sit down in a house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. We must teach diligently. When I was in Israel, I was very impressed by some of the young people over there that was training to become tourists, tour guide. And they have to memorize the Torah at the age of five. And I, I remember when the Pastor Devi and Pastor Kalai, during those days, they were leading the children ministry. My children would recite verses and to this day, they remember how to sing some of these scripture verses. And it's important for us to teach them to recite, to repeat, to review, because Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We need to help these young ones. We need to raise them up in the way of the Lord. But it takes effort. It takes your time. You need to invest, right? Because one day, there will be a holiday that is transfer money to your parents' day. <laughs> so don't just invest one dollar. <laughs> you need to invest. You need to invest. One day, they will meet the Lord. All right? They will meet the Lord. And what you neglect, your next generation will reject. You should teach them and talk of them. And so, wherever you are, for me, wherever I am, I need to learn how to communicate, not just to communicate the truths, not just to tell them what to do, but to connect with them. Because it is important for the young generation to understand that you are connected with them. Uh, I like to run, so I used to run with my eldest daughter. So we run a little bit. When I was running too fast, she would really hate it when I asked her to pray while running. <laughs> you know, so spiritual. Well, let's pray for Nepal. And then she would like... <laughs> Pray, pray. And then after a while, she said, Daddy, can you don't talk so much when you run? <laughs> so I was a bit offended. I said, okay, okay, okay. So one day, I decided, okay, let's, let's go for a run again. But instead of going for a run in the morning, because she's not a morning person, she gets really grouchy in the morning. So I said, let's go for a run in the evening. I'm not an evening person. I don't really like to run in the night. 
But I say, okay, let's go and run. So we ran. And he was very happy. In fact, he was so, she was so happy that she ran for 13 kilometers with, with me. We went to the zoo, not into the zoo, uh, just around the zoo area. Came back. And along the way, I dropped my pace to her pace. And we started talking, just chit-chat. And after a while, she said, hey, don't you want to pray? I said, oh, yeah, let's pray. So we started praying, chit-chatting, come back. She, she said this. She felt love. She felt close to me. It's the first time that we prayed together while running. And she enjoyed it. So, friends, you need to change a little bit of the methods. But it's the same. You, you invest with them. Uh, sometimes I climb with my children. And we, we share a lot when we do activities together. So don't just tell them the rules because rules without relationship leads to rebellion. If you have the rules, but you don't have the connection, you don't have the relationship, the only thing that your children want to do is to break the rule. It's to break the rule. Uh, because it's the sinful nature. It's the same for you, isn't it, when you were young? It's the same for me. You know, every time my wife tells me, you never switch off the light, I say, oh, okay, I'll try, I'll try. In fact, I asked her, you know, can you give me an example of grace? You say, grace is when you never switch off the light, I never scold you. <laughs> I say, what kind of example is this? I say, no, that's not grace, that's mercy. Grace is when I don't switch off the light, you still cook porridge for me. <laughs> that's called grace. <laughs> and we want to extend grace to our children. We want to have relationship with them. We want to teach them because children are your disciples. The best gift you can give to them is to spend time Spend time with them because time equals to love. Spend time with them, teach them, and also understand how they learn. Now, I want to tell you that maybe some of you already know that our brain is made up of three major parts, all right? And one, I call it the survival brain, which is actually the fight or flight autopilot kind of uh, reptilian kind of uh, like animal responding to emergency. You don't want them to always respond with that. This is the survival brain. And then you have the emotional brain, which is the limbic brain. It's full of your emotions, your habits, your memories. You respond to the world based on your experiences. And then you have the thinking brain, the prefrontal cortex, the neocortex, which is developed only at the age of 24. But guess how old or how young the limbic, the emotional brain is fully developed? Is at the age of 15 years old. 15 to 16 years old, a young child, the emotional brain is fully developed, but the thinking brain is not developed yet. So it is like driving a Ferrari going very fast with bicycle brakes. So you go very fast, they respond very fast, but it is hard to make good decisions. So we need to guide them. And understanding this is very vital. Because as you begin to teach the Word of God, you need to understand that if you don't connect with them, their emotions are not settled, they are not calm, please don't give them any more instruction because it's flooded. They are going to fight you or they're going to run away. And so we need to learn. Learn from different... There are many good parenting books and this is one uh, book that I thought I would recommend. Uh, it is by Alan E. Katzin. So he developed these three ingredients of helping to parent the defiant child, children that don't really want to listen. And he said this, there's three ingredients. First of all, 
it's not just about giving them reward. It is not nagging them, not telling them what to do all the time. It is to prompt them, to prompt them so that they can discover for themselves and then you praise them and then you practice. Let them practice it because practice makes... No, practice makes permanence because if you practice wrongly, it's not going to become perfect, you know, right? <laughs> so you have to practice correctly all the time. And if you practice and practice and practice, it will become permanent. So there's a thing called negative reinforcement and there's a thing called positive reinforcement. We want to reinforce the right way of discipleship. We want to reinforce the right way of teaching them. And your words are very powerful because the Bible says in Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruits. So listen well. Listen attentively to the Word of God. Teach your children to listen. Next, to teach and teach diligently and finally, model. Model correctly. You need to model correctly. In verses 8 and 9, it says this, You shall bind them, the Lord of God, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, the traditional Jewish people, they have this thing called the uh, phylactery. And so if you go to Israel today, there are some very traditional Jewish people, they have this black box that's tied on their foreheads. And they have this leather strip that is wrapped around their hand because they interpret these two verses literally. And in the black box, you will find that there's four scripture passages, Exodus 13, 1 to 10, Exodus 13, 11 to 16, Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, which we have read, and Deuteronomy 11, 13 to 21, the Shema passages. So they will write this, put inside, and they will write on the parchments to remind them that you must put this here, here. But to me, this is a literal translation, but I don't think that's the right interpretation. In fact, the interpretation should be this, that if you want to put God's law on your head is to meditate on it, to hagar it, to think and meditate and chew on it, to remind yourself that you and me, we need to remember the Word of God. We need to study the Word of God. To tie it on your hand, you need to apply them. To write it on your doorpost, it must be the foundation of your family. It must be central in your family. And to me, this is a lifestyle. That's why I say we need to model because we don't just help people to listen to what we say. We help them to see what we are doing. And your children and our next generation is modeling after you, after us, whether they are your children or not, because when they look at you, they model after you. People see more than they listen. So this is a message. We need to model correctly. And I want to show you a video just to emphasize this. I don't think 
So children see, children do. These are two pictures I took, one from uh, a chapel upstairs when one of our staff was actually worshipping and his daughter stood up in front and started raising their hands. And the other one I took in another church when I was preaching, I was sitting behind and I saw this mother with her twins. The twins was like this, looking at the mother and suddenly the mother was so caught in God's presence and she started kneeling down and worshipping. And I could see that these two kids, right, they were looking at the mother like this. Because I was observing the whole scene, I was like, and they look at one another and smile at one another, and then they start to do this. How wonderful it is. And I took this as a reminder for myself that I need to model well for my children. You need to model well for your children. You need to start to raise the standard of godliness in your family. We start to bring back your family press. All right? Bring back, set up your family altars. Uh, during COVID time, that was the best time of my family, family altar, because every single day we have devotion at night. And, and trust me, I'm not as, as good as what I seem to be presenting right now because there are days that I, you know, fumble. We don't, you don't need to do a service in your family. <laughs> it don't have to be perfect. Some days I was so tired, you just had prayer. In fact, just a few days ago, we said, you know, let, let's pray together. So we gather and pray while they were praying, I was so tired. After the movement conference, I went back and they wanted me to play Rumi Cube. After Rumi Cube, then we prayed. And it was like 11.30 p.m. And I was like so drained. I said, tomorrow I have to wake up very early at 4 a.m. And so I, I sat there and I said, quick, 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 in my house, like, let's pray, let's pray. And so my, my children started praying. Normally, they, their prayers are very short. I do not know why that night was very long. Yeah, because I always tell them to sleep early and they really listen uh, because they sleep at 2 a.m. <laughs> so, so when we were praying, I was very tired. By the time my eldest daughter was praying, I fell asleep. You know? And they, I, started, I started hearing bursts of laughter through the prayer. <laughs> because I was nodding off. I was flinching. And uh, I was very tired. I was sleeping. But they said, you know, Dad, you fell asleep. You fell asleep. And then they laughed at me. I said, sorry. And we have all these prayer times, not because I'm good, but because we did them. I need my children to pray for me. I need to pray for them. And uh, I need to say sorry to them. There was an incident when we were having prayer time. And it was during COVID lockdown uh, a few years ago when we have worked from home and they have studied at home and study from home, go to school from home. And we were all opening our laptops and I, I remember that morning I was trying to fix that mic and I was fixing, right? One of the screws came out and dropped into a gap. I couldn't reach it. I was quite frustrated because I couldn't, the mic is going to fall. I, I, was, I was going to be late. And then I took a ruler and started swiping and at first uh, it was quite gentle. Then it became very frustrating. Like, I was grunting. 
And I, I could, like, I was sending out messages which I didn't know. Then at night during the prayer time, we gathered and then they say, we've got to pray for daddy to be less frustrated when he worked from home. I say, I was not angry with you all. I say, well, you were quite upset. We were running away from you, don't you see? I say, no, what? Really? I was angry at the screw. They say, yeah, you were angry at the screw, but we can all feel it. <laughs> and they say, daddy, you must say sorry. I say, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I apologize because I was sending the wrong messages. And I realized that part and parcel of this modeling is to also model the way that you, you come before your children and say, you know, I've, I've done wrong. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It is learning how to say sorry when you need to say sorry. And, and so they learn to say sorry to me next time, right? You bear with one another, you pray together. And I like this quote that says, live in such a way that if anyone should speak badly of you, no one to, who believe. You know who is your greatest witness? Your children, your family members. You can, I, can, I can impress a lot of people outside. But if my children cannot testify to that, then I have to watch myself. I need to be authentic at home and out of home. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 11-12, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts and war, which war against the soul, having your conduct honourable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. So Peter is telling the church, you know, we need to live a life that people outside those that are unchurched can see us and see Christian love in you, in your family. And that's the model that we should have. In the church, that we can love one another and they would be drawn to Christ. And what you're passionate about, your children will be passionate about. I love the way Reverend Joel Lau came to me one day and introduced a daughter who was uh, doing uh, psychology, right? She was doing some kind of studies and she was attending the class that Reverend Joel Lau was teaching on demonization and things like that because she was interested. It goes to show how much of what goes behind the sin, the relationship, the authenticity. And that's what I want for my family. And you know what? Uh, two years ago, during the lockdown 2020, I was running vigorously. It was, I was running almost every day. And uh, someone turned to me and said, why don't you do something with your run? And I thought, hey, my birthday is coming. I should have this birthday run. And, uh, and I will run for 45 days since it's my 45th birthday. I will run for 45 days. Every day I'll run 10 kilometers. I'll raise funds for six nations. And these six deaneries, I've never done anything for the Anglican diocese in that manner for missions. So I thought I should do something because I got to know some of the pastors. They have been sending them, sending me their prayer requests. They have been telling me how people are dying in their country. And I wanted to do something. I didn't know how to. So I, I told my friends, my colleagues, and they said, well, we'll come up with a website. Actually, I did it wrongly, but I just kind of put it up in Facebook. Every single day, I'll ask people to give. On the first day when I started this, it was my birthday. I asked my mother-in-law. She wanted to give me a gift. I said, you can give me money. I want money now. <laughs> so they, she gave me money. And then my eldest daughter, she said, no, 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 you cannot give us. I want to be the first one. Chloe said, I give $20. So 
I said, wow, I was very happy. So after one week, I received some cash. I continued to run. Uh, there was many stories, but I'm going to tell you this story and I, I, which impacted me a lot. It was this time when I realized that my eldest daughter has given, but my second daughter has not given. <laughs> so I went to her. I said, do you want to give to this fundraising? Do you want to give to daddy's birthday celebration, <laughs> which is to raise funds? She said, okay, I, I've been thinking about it, she said. And she went to the room. She took out $100. And she was about 13 years old. The first question I had was, how come you get so much money? Ah? <laughs> she said, daddy, this is my own money, ah, my pocket money. I said, okay, okay. But that's a lot to you, right? She said, yeah. You want to give the whole sum? She said, yeah, of course. Two missions. It's okay. It's worth it. Wow. When I heard that, I was touched. And I thought to myself, I said, well, I didn't really give a missions class to my children, never once. But I think they, they saw how vigorous I was running. And I think that speaks a lot. I want you to know that Jesus Christ came. He, he go to the cross. He never say it is, I'm, I'm finished. He didn't say I'm finished. He didn't say one love, one love, one love, barbecue love. He didn't say that. Huh? He, he actually say it is done. It is done. It is done so that we can continue to be the hands and feet so that we can continue to raise the standard of godliness in our family. We can pass on to the next generation. We can invest in them. We can say that, even though I have no kids, but I'm going to, I'm going to plow. I'm going to give my money. I'm going to give my time to serve them. I'm going to invest in them. And one of the ways you can invest is also to take a trip out because there are many, many people out there. I want to show a last video to you. And this is a video where uh, every year I'll take a team to Mongolia. This is the last, almost the last time. We were there for a few years and this is a time where we partner with the Mongolians to run this camp. I want you to see the impact of sometimes a trip like this can make to a nation. Then we go to, uh, to wear very tight costumes so that the children can hear the gospel. Yes, you're
Some of you, your spirit is stirred. As you begin to listen to the word of God, you start to understand there's a certain power for us to overcome sin. Because when we start to pray, the Spirit of God will come and live in you and empower you. And I want you to know that God has given you great power within. Shall we all rise? And let's clap for the glory of God, shall we? I don't know what you saw, but uh, when I look at the video, I see many young children longing to be touched by Jesus' love. I see the next generation rising up. Many are lost. They're confused by the world. They're distracted by the world. They're being won by all these desires and lusts. They are now even confused about their own gender. We need to redeem back. We need to start to see that this is a spiritual war. And it's not just by our strategies, but it comes from a willing heart from the older generation. A willingness to say, I will be there for them. Yes, the church, we will build the next generation. We will invest in them. 
our budget will go to the next generation so that they will hear the Word of God, they will be discipled. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to close with this. As we sing the song, Come Holy Spirit again, I want to invite you. If you felt that there is this burning desire for you to say, God, you know what? You may have kids. I want, I want to raise the standard of my, my family, the godliness, standard of godliness in my family. I want to respond. As we sing the song, you just come forward as a sign of your obedience to God. Say, you know, Lord, I'm here. I'm accountable to you. I want to do that. I want to start my family, build my family altar again. If that's you, I want you to come forward. If you don't have children, you're not married and, and you are here, and you say, I want to invest in the next generation, be it involved in the ministry, be it giving, giving resources, or you are an educator or, or some sort of that, I want you to come forward and respond to. Because we all need the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us. It's not just how hardworking we are. I, I just really feel that it is the Word of God. The video you saw, we were there. I mean, we were doing, we were dressed up as Spider-Man, Superman, and all these other men. But the most important thing is actually the Spirit of God touching them. And when I saw the children touched by God, they were praying for one another, I knew that only God can do that. You try. Try and make your kids be passionate. You can't. <laughs> you can't. You can, you can give them a lot of things. You can't. Only God can do that. Only God can touch their hearts. And so we want that. So as we sing the song, no obligation. If you feel that you need to respond, just come forward. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fall on me now. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I need your anointing. Come in your power. I love you, Holy Spirit. Shut that up, You captivating my soul. And every day I grow to love you. Yeah, when you're ready, you can come forward. Come, Holy Spirit, fall on me now. I need your anointing. Yes, Lord. You're captivating my soul. Thank you, Lord. And every day. I grow to love you more I'm reaching for your heart You hold my life in your hands Drawing me closer to you I feel your power renew Nothing compares to this place Where I can see you face I worship you in spirit and in truth. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, follow me now. I need your anointing. Come in your power. I love you, Holy Spirit. You're captivating my soul And every day I grow to love you more I'm reaching
come before you and we ask Lord for a fresh touch of your anointing Lord a fresh touch Lord of your Holy Spirit Lord fill us empower us Lord use us Lord Father forgive us Lord for the times that we have neglected we neglect the teaching of the word in our family we neglect the teaching of the word for the next generation we are worried about our own things we are busy with our own things Father we come before you in repentance and we ask the Lord you will cleanse us give us a fear a fear of you only oh God because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and let reverence come in our family in our church that we will not play church we are not coming just to sit at the pews but Lord we are responding to your word and we believe that your word goes forth and will not return to you void it will accomplish what it seeks to accomplish so train us to be godly people that will teach the next generation. Thank you, Lord. And so now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us and with our families, even with those who are lost, Lord. Be with them Lord, forevermore. Amen. Amen. Let's give a clap offering to God. If you still need prayer, you can come uh, forward. Our pastors will pray for you. The service is over now. God bless you.